0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a high
1: fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan.
2: Welcome to the Meyer Jensen
3: Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time. The win this one. Meyer
1: Jensen, a personal entry law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com.
0: Connect pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice.
3: KMOX. BK, it was fun last night, buddy. I'll tell you that. Tom Ackerman here with Brian Kelly. Thank you for the news. and. Uh, Wow, thank you, St. Louis Blues, for some night. I'll tell you what, they are fun to watch right now, but the best of all, even better than them, the 18,096 who showed up for that raucous scene at Enterprise Center, David Parama, the hat trick, Blues beat the Kings 7-3, and the fans got to see it finally. Wasn't that
4: fun? Yeah, watching it from home, it was just an exciting night. I mean, the crowd was just nuts. Heard several Let's Go Blues chants in the first few minutes. And then, you know, they fall behind, but it doesn't slow them down at all. They're playing with confidence. Everybody, everybody who has played a game has a point now so far this season. Now you talk about depth. That's pretty much the definition. And uh, I mean, is David Perron, he's got to be playing the best hockey of his career. Then you see Jake Nabors score the goal and he's playing very well. He's making a really strong case to stay with this team. And, uh, yeah, everything's clicking. They're playing with confidence, and it is a whole lot of fun.
3: It is great. Uh, the Blues, Jordan Bennington, is playing at a playoff clip. He looks mm-hmm. very strong in net. 32 saves for him. Perron, three goals and an assist. Ryan O'Reilly had a goal. Uh, James Neal had a goal. Ivan Barbashev had a nice-looking oh, goal. Boy. Backhand, a shorthanded tally. And Jake Neighbors. Now, he had a goal that was right on the doorstep, but I- I'm so excited and actually very pleased that the blues are giving this young man an opportunity. He's 19 Mm -hmm. years old from Alberta and he is some kind of talent. I'm really happy about it. I'm also just trying to come to grips with the fact that I have a daughter who's 15. (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute, he's four years older than my little baby girl. Uh And he's out there just having a good time in the NHL debut in St. Louis. And a first NHL goal for Jake Neighbors. And
4: it may be the easiest goal he ever scores because he came <laughs> off the bench, went right to the open spot, got the beautiful pass from his landlord and put it in the net. And uh, But, you know, he threw a great hit yesterday. He is playing, what, about six, seven minutes a game, maybe eight, something like that. And that's, you know, they're using him. And that's the thing you want with a young guy. You don't want him sitting on the bench, but he's getting out there, he's playing, and he's producing. And it's gonna be real interesting after the ninth game. I I think you gotta keep him right now, but uh you don't you know, you don't wanna rush him. But I think he looks he looks very comfortable,
3: very at home out there, and that's what you're looking for in a in a kid. Yeah, I mean he is. He he's a young man and uh they've got some veteran leadership in this team. It was really great to see. The captain out there, Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, and the ovation that he received. And I know the guys wearing the A's, all of them, uh, are very proud. But I was really pleased to see the response when 91 came out of the tunnel. I I thought that was a cool thing. It's a little nod to 91, Vladimir Tarasenko, to let him know that the crowd still loves him. They're glad that he's back. They were happy to see him. And he is playing a really engaged brand of hockey, Brian. And if he continues to do this, the Blues are going to be tough to stop. They're the highest scoring team in the league right now. It's early, but they've scored 22 goals in four games, 5.5 a game. They have the goaltending, like their defense, Mm -hmm. really do. I think Krug's going to have a better year now that he adjusts, just like Falk did last year. But this X factor of Vladimir Tarasenko being in the right place at the right time, knocking people around, defending his teammates, going after Alex Petrangelo the other night. like mm-hmm. That's what you want out of
4: him, and he's, he's feisty right now. He's also shooting the puck a lot, and that's something that a lot of players, especially on the Blues, it seems, they won't shoot the puck. They always look for that extra pass. Vladdy is shooting the puck, and with his shot, he's going to score uh, on a good number of those shots. Also, his defensive play—he made a terrific defensive play last night. That's the other thing about David Perron; he made a couple of terrific defensive plays. These guys are playing the 200-foot game, and uh, and they're, they've just got that confidence. You can just feel it; like they're just—they're not going to slow down. And uh, you know, they're taking advantage of some teams that are missing some key parts. No question about that. But that's what you got to do. And they're banking those points. And, boy, you do that and keep that going. It's going to be a fun season.
3: It is going to be a good season. The Blues play tomorrow against the Kings again. Uh, That'll be interesting to see how they respond. The Kings, uh, one night after getting bounced. No practice today for the Blues. But they'll be back tomorrow practicing and then playing tomorrow night against the Kings. Then they wait a little while. They've got the Avalanche on Thursday. And the Blackhawks come in on Saturday Uh night. This is a good week to be a Blues fan with the Avs and the Hawks coming in a little bit later. And then back to the fans. That was a special night last night, and from the get-go, I got there, as I told you, about 45 minutes early, saw people milling about out on the street. I was walking in, and I heard a woman behind me as we were walking in say, I'm still not over 2012 when they knocked us out of the playoffs, so I really hate them, (laughs) talking about the Kings. I'm like, Uh I am back. Woman different behind period. me wearing a hockey jersey, talking trash. That's what I'm talking uh-huh. about. We get in there, crowd's amped, uh, and then the anthem. You know, I, yeah. So I know that it's different. Uh, the announcement, everyone was waiting to hear who the anthem singer would be, and then the blues said the singer is actually going to be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start you off, and then there's a – I put the video up on, on my oh, Twitter yeah. page. And then the crowd takes over. They've done this before, but now they're going to do it every single night. And it is special. I mean, it it is a good feeling, especially in a packed house like that.
4: And I don't remember his name, but the anthem singer last night who got you started and and finished, it looked to me like he had a tear in his eye. And and you can't help but feel that when you've got 18,000, 19,000 people all singing the national anthem. And it was very special. That was very fun to watch. And, of course, they haven't heard me sing. So that's why they did this. After tomorrow night, when I go, they might say, "Well, maybe the fan singing is not the best idea."
3: So I'll just—I'll <laughs> just—I'll oh,
4: just, I'll just, I'll just lip sync it. But yeah, it, it was really neat.
3: Uh, they did all of this, by the way, without Brandon Saad, who was mm-hmm. out because of COVID. They did this without Pavel Butchnevich, who's out because he headbutted somebody in Arizona. Uh, but they. Uh, b- uh, Todd was not there, but Buchnevich was there waving to the crowd, as were those who did not dress for the game. So uh, look forward to seeing him make his debut in St. Louis in front of these fans. But it was good. Blues win at 7-3 over the Kings, and they play again tomorrow night. Big show coming up today. What the heck happened in Happy Valley? Steve Kelly, the pregame and postgame host for the Illini Sports Network, will tell us exactly as Illinois beats Penn State in nine overtimes. <laughs> what? Then at 10.30, Travis Ford is going to begin his Sunday appearances on KMOX. The Billikens coach is standing by. Can't wait to talk to him about his team. 10.45, we'll have our NFL picks with Lauren Lovett and a fantasy tip from her. And then Chiefs-Titans, 11 o'clock pregame. So just an hour show. Enjoyed it, BK. Thanks for having me on. Our Blues Breakdown. We'll be back. Talk some college football with Steve Kelly right after this. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen
1: Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gunner. Big by Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal entry law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Pelicans win this one. Touchdown! Kansas
3: City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 10-19 sports on a Sunday morning continues and joining us to talk about those fighting Illini and did they ever fight yesterday. A nine overtime win over Penn State 20-18. to 18. An absolute stunner over the 7th ranked team in the country and I have someone on the line who was there. He is the host for the Illini Sports Network, Steve Kelly. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good, Tom. Good morning to you. How was that flight home, buddy?
2: That was an interesting flight home. A lot of times, as you know from traveling with teams, uh, you may not know exactly what happened if you got on the plane and didn't know how the game came out, but there was no doubt how this one had come out for uh, Brett Beal and his team as, as they gave him career win number 100 in, a, in an outstanding way. And if you stay around long enough in this business, Tom, they say you'll see a little bit of everything, and I think I have.
3: Wow, I bet you have. So let's take it piece by piece. Tell us how it got to the point where they went to overtime. Over the four quarters of regulation, how did Illinois play, and how did they get to that point?
2: Well, they trailed 7-0 after the first quarter. It was 10-7 at the half. The third quarter was scoreless. Illinois kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter to make it 10-10, to and that's how it ended in regulation. And then in the first overtime, each team kicked a field goal, so that made it 13-13. to Same thing happened in overtime number two to make it 16-16. to At that point, under the new overtime rules, you go to uh, two-point conversions, basically. You have to score from the three-yard line, and you rotate. And they started doing that, and Tom, they went five overtime periods or five series of teams stopping each other scoreless. They had one play to score from the three-yard line. And the other team stopped the other, and they went from end to end because when Illinois had the ball offensively, they didn't want to be at the Penn State student section end, so they would opt to go at the other end. So (laughs) it was back and forth, back and forth, five overtimes in the uh, uh, – that that got you through seven overtimes. And then in overtime number eight, both teams got into the end zone. That gave them two points each. So it was 18 to 18. Overtime number nine – Illinois stopped Penn State again, and then they scored on a short three-yard touchdown pass to win it twenty to eighteen in nine overtime. So there were uh, ten points scored in overtime for Illinois and eight for Penn State.
3: Casey Washington came down with that winning catch and said that he cried uh, after he made the catch. I, I can't even imagine the emotional, uh, you know, breakout for for somebody like that.
2: Yeah, and for our color analyst, Martin O'Donnell, who uh, probably cried after he lost his voice yelling on that final call. And and he he was kind of uh, beside himself during the last two or three overtimes just because he said, I can't take much more of this. And it really was exciting. And I guess it was kind of ironic they won it on a pass play because their pass game yesterday was just putrid. It was terrible. But uh, they finally pulled out the – Stops there and got a little pass to work on uh, a roll out with Brandon Peters. Uh, the the normal starter did not play until the, one of the overtimes because Art Sitkowski, who replaced him at the starting position, was injured. So Peters tossed a little uh, little pass there, and that's how it came out.
3: Yeah, Illinois had 38 passing yards for the game. 38 passing yards, but 356 rushing yards. So Brett Bielema's got that rolling, doesn't he?
2: He does, and that's been a little bit up and down. Uh, they they didn't run the ball two weeks ago very well against Wisconsin, didn't really even try. Um, they they felt like they that wasn't going to work, although Penn State's run defense went in uh, pretty good as well. So they ran the ball very well. Chase Brown with 234 yards himself. His second uh, uh, outing of the year, over 200 yards rushing, and uh, Josh McCray had 140-something. It was just one of those uh, – you kept thinking, I don't know how this is going to come out. And I've seen some overtime games. I actually did the first overtime game back uh, with uh, your alma mater, first Big Ten overtime game, Illinois and Indiana. And um, I had a three-overtime game at Michigan that was (laughs) 67-65 final score there. I think this was my eighth overtime game uh, since the overtime rules went into effect.
3: Wow. Uh so a 9 overtime game it's never been done in the NCAA first ever 9 overtime game. Illinois beats 7th ranked Penn State 20 to 18. They hold Penn State to 62 yards rushing and that's significant and they also held uh, Sean Clifford who is a very talented quarterback although he's still a little banged up. Uh he did not have the best day either. He was 19 of 34 passing for 165 And as it turns out, Illinois upsets Penn State. So Penn State has lost a couple of games, so their playoff hopes are dashed. And the Big Ten is back open to Ohio State, isn't it? But wait a minute. Michigan says, hold on just a second. We're undefeated, too. Uh, Ohio State's not, and we are. So Michigan and Michigan State atop the East – but I think after Ohio State absolutely dismantles my alma mater, 54-7, to everybody's going to look their way as the number one team in the Big Ten. But it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, in the Big Ten, I'm going to count Iowa out because they lost to Purdue, and they'll have some climb. They could still win the Big Ten title. Uh, but it, it's out of the East. If you're talking about a playoff team representing the conference, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State.
2: and Michigan And Michigan State play this coming week, next Saturday, so... That will uh, knock one of those guys out. And Michigan State, uh, I'm not sure how good Michigan State is yet, but they're top ten and they're they're undefeated. I guess we'll find out how good they are uh, when they play Michigan. But you're right, Ohio State has figured some things out defensively. They had some early defensive issues, but their offense is just unbelievable. And the no offense to your Hoosiers, I think uh, uh, the Buckeyes took the foot off the pedal a little bit in the second half. and I didn't see anybody... Uh, stopping them certainly in the last few games.
3: Yeah, I respect them actually for not not embarrassing us further. It's basketball season, I'll tell you that, although in Bloomington they'll, they'll finish out the year. I feel bad for a good guy, Tom Allen, who just hasn't been able to get him going from the get-go. I mean, at Iowa, Mike Penix just didn't have it at quarterback, then he's hurt the That Mike McFadden's thrown out of the game against what who's now number two Cincinnati. That game turns as soon as that happens, then they get injuries in the backfield. They've had all kinds of issues there and they're at the bottom of the big 10 East Illinois. Meanwhile, at three and five and two and three in conference, Uh, what's ahead for them, Steve. And can they against Rutgers, Minnesota at Iowa will be tough, but Northwestern, can they rally here? Can they put together uh, a respectable finish to this season
2: i think they can um based on just I mean, you can't take a whole lot away from this game but then again you can you know the, the, you mentioned uh, they really thought they did they lived up to their name in the fighting Illini in that game especially in in overtime after overtime stopping a, a three-yard play again and again they just uh so yes i think they can build on that. Brett Bielma, had some comments earlier in the week that, that you may have seen on social media that uh, stirred up some of the fan base uh, talking about the roster construction and what he wants to do in the future. And some of those were taken out of context, but uh, as he said, he, he uh, hasn't lost this locker room. And I think that was very evident uh, yesterday. Those guys are all on board and I think they can build on this Rutgers comes here on Saturday. Then it's a trip to Minnesota, then another bye week And then as you mentioned, Iowa and Northwestern. So, if they could get it back to 500, they might be uh, talking some kind of bowl game.
3: All right, we'll see. And we'll talk some basketball with you, I'm sure, down the road. We have some basketball coming up with slew coach Travis Ford. For now, we say thank you very much to Steve Kelly, and congratulations to the Illini, a 20-18 to 18 win in nine overtime. Steve. Enjoy that.
2: I will. Thanks, Tom. Always good to talk
3: to you. Always good to talk to Steve Kelly of the Illini Sports Network. Tom Ackerman with you. It's ten twenty-eight. Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens, next. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer
1: Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off.
0: MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 1031
3: Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Our great partners at St. Louis University Athletics. Oh, what a week they had, and what a season they're about to have college basketball is alive and well and joining us is the head coach of the Billikins Travis Ford it was great to see you this past week a couple of times I got to drop in on your scrimmage in front of some folks and I got to see you at the great announcement of the O'Loughlin Family Champion Center how are you
1: doing good Tom uh, great to see you this week it was a big week I'd uh, first just like to congratulate Kevin Kalish and our uh, St. Louis men's uh, soccer team on uh, an A-10 championship that uh, they clinched yesterday. So, uh, a lot, of, a lot of hard work by Kevin the last couple of years, and it's all paying off. He's a great, great coach and just a, a great guy.
3: Yeah, I'm going to see what the heck's going on. How are they not in the top 10? They're like 12th in the country. They haven't lost a game yet. They're 11-0-3, 7-0 in the A-10, but that's a great win. You're right, 4 to nothing over GW. John Klein leads the nation in assists, and that's exciting, isn't it? It's been a while since soccer was that good. I mean, we always knew that program was good, but – they have that great history, and sometimes uh, that uh, can inspire and get you back to where you need to be. That never leaves you, does it? That that great history behind a program.
1: It, it, it does and, and and you know, Kevin, uh, you know, Kevin Kalish understands that history, and that's why I thought he was such an incredible fit for uh, being the head coach here uh, of our soccer program. And you know, I've got to watch over the last couple of years just how hard he's worked uh, to get back that tradition. Uh, and uh, I knew it was just a matter of time, but uh, it is just, uh, you know, a uh, great tradition of soccer in in all of the city of St. Louis, and obviously here uh, at the university, and uh, just to win an A10 championship, it's not easy. The winning championships are not easy, and uh, I know how much time he put into it, and uh, those guys deserve uh, deserve everything.
3: The St. Louis Billikens men's basketball program won. The NIT in 1948, that at that time was the national championship. The best teams went to the national invitation tournament and easy Ed McCauley and the Billikins won it all that year. And that's always been the goal of a basketball program is why not us? And this past week, I mentioned the O'Loughlin family champions center. I believe, and I know you feel this way also has put you into a different category. I would say a, a different situation this can elevate not only your program but an athletic program overall can you describe how this came about and and what you have seen from your perspective
1: yeah you know the the O'Loughlin uh, champion center uh, family champion center is is uh is such a statement uh it's uh it's a commitment from uh obviously the O'Loughlin family and many supporters of Billiken Athletics and supporters of st louis university uh but it, uh, it it makes a statement that we can compete with anybody it's a commitment to our student athletes now and to our student athletes in the future uh it's you know for seven days a week the champion center is going to impact our student athletes on a daily basis every single day from from 6 a.m in the morning till 10 o'clock at night it's going to be you know packed uh with student-athletes, whether it be in the dining center or the academic center or, uh, you know, uh, all the different services it's going to have, it's just going to be a difference maker. And, you know, when you bring recruits uh, on campus, uh, when you bring recruits on campus, it's going to send, like I said, it's going to send a statement that all your goals and dreams can come true here. Uh, We can compete with anybody and, you know, this is something that was desperately needed for, for our athletic department, for our university, to take that next step, and uh, it's quite impressive.
3: It really is. A $20 million facility that is privately funded, 100% privately funded. Bob O'Laughlin, the chairman and CEO of Lodging Hospitality Management who knows a thing or two about building things and rehabbing things, uh, is going to put together something very special, and he has a lot of people behind him. That are benefactors of this project. So, congratulations to everybody involved, including your athletic director, Chris May, who has been working extremely hard. I, I'd say, I think he told me, what, eight years of. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, this Chris May's vision, it was his dream. And, you know, he's worked extremely hard uh, over the last many years. I remember he brought it up to me, oh, four, four or five years ago. And it's one of those things that was so grand. It was so. Big and it was impressive that you thought. I don't know if this will ever happen. You know, this is almost too good to be true. Uh, Really nice. He had great vision uh, of what he wanted to accomplish out of this Champion Center, and uh, for this to become a reality uh, is big time.
3: It really is. So a uh, win for for uh, everybody involved at St. Louis University. And uh, congratulations to Bob O'Loughlin, Chris May, everybody over at St. Louis University. Just a great, great win right there for Travis Ford and the Billikens. And now it's time to win some basketball games. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, the first thing that jumped out at me when I watched your team at Chaffetz Arena was Jordan Nesbitt. Now you told me about him, and and I knew a lot of people who had seen him as a prep player here in St. Louis, but it doesn't take long for you to to look at a, a basketball floor and see who stands out, and this young man is a very special talent. I I have to hear it from your perspective, uh, what you have in terms of expectations for him, because I know that you know once you once the lights come on, it's going to be a, a challenge. It's the, the, every year is is hard, but. He looks like he's up for it.
1: Well, yeah, you know, Jordan has it, no question, no different than, you know, uh, yeah, Washington played through high school. He's a talented individual. But when you start talking about our team, you need to, you know, Uri Collins returning, one of the best point guards, I think, in the country. Uh, you know, assist turnover ratio off the chart. Javante Perkins will probably be preseason, a good chance, maybe, preseason player of the year in our league. Uh, you know, Fred Dash going to be a great leader. we got a lot of great players. And, you know, it's easier to talk about, the, you know, those guys because I know what to expect. I, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on Jordan Nesbitt. You know, mm-hmm. again, he has not played college basketball yet. There's an adjustment period that goes through it. We are expecting huge things out of Jordan. I think he can be one of the great players, uh, a great talent. But, you know, you know, we need to let him be a freshman, uh, let him understand this is not easy every day, that things are not going to come easy. Yes, he is going to get a lot of notoriety. He's going to get a lot of publicity. Uh, you know, coming out of our exhibition or our uh, blue-white game, obviously he played well, and that's the, everybody wanted to talk about him. That's great, but he's got to understand that's just a, you know, that's a blue-white game. And uh, you got to back it up in practice every day. Keep doing it um, and learn from Uri Collins, learn from Javante Perkins, learn from Fred Thatch, learn from Martin Lentz and learn from these older guys. When you, he's very fortunate to have some of these older guys who have been through so much to learn from, but we do have, you know, do think Jordan has, a special player, a special talent. Uh, and, and, you know, it's hard to say because he hasn't played college basketball yet and uh you know, but we do think he's got a chance to be a, a really, really good basketball player.
3: Yeah, when you look at your team like that and you see what has changed from one year to the next, that's one that stands out and I think that's very well said going into a season with expectations. The other one's Francis Socorro now a little bit different because he has seen Division Ooh. One time and he stands out too, Travis. I mean, uh, he has size. He has some explosiveness. I saw some nice footwork out of him too. He could be uh, do some serious damage for you in the post.
1: Yeah, you know, Tom, he's he, he's an athletic player uh, who's got an incredible, what I call basketball body, just an impressive young man. Uh, has an incredible work ethic, wants to learn, wants to do well. Uh, he can change the game, and I tell him all the time, he could change the game with his athleticism. What does that mean with your speed going up and down the court at his size at 6'9"? Uh, blocking shots, being a defensive stopper around the rim and in the post. Uh, You know, he can be a great screener. His offensive game is coming. It's something that uh, is still a a work in progress a little bit. Uh, He's probably never asked to be an offensive threat as much as we are giving him the ball. If you go back and even watch his games in Oregon, and I watched him coming up through the uh, through the AAU ranks and things like that, he, he wasn't, you know, given the opportunity to just showcase offensive skills a whole lot. We're probably giving him more touches than he's had uh, in his career, and he's getting better every day. Um, but yet, young know, man, that can affect the game, we believe in a lot of ways. Once he, you know, he set out last year. You know, he set out. He didn't touch a basketball for about seven months uh, because of, uh, uh, you know, a, a few minor surgeries. On his ankle and different things, but uh, you know he's he's now getting back into shape, getting into flow. He's a hundred percent in practice every day. Uh, but yeah, the more and more he plays, the better he's going to get.
3: And finally, this is Coach Travis Ford of the Billikens with us on KMOX, the home of Saint Louis University basketball, men's and women's. Uh, we look forward to carrying both games, both teams. But man, thirty one years together. Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. Here they are back again, and this is really special. I'm happy to announce that they're going to go on the road with you. Last year was not easy. They had to watch on a monitor and call games while you were far away. They did a tremendous job, and to have Rammer and Earl back with you and to carry these games on KMOX is special for us, and I know it's big for you and your SLU family.
1: It is. You know, Rammer and Earl, the dynamic duo, uh, 30 years of broadcasting, you know, Billiken uh, basketball. Wow. What uh, that's just amazing. And, you know, we, we even felt that as a, as a team, we felt that they weren't in the, you know, we hated that they couldn't be in the arena a lot of times last season because of the COVID protocol, different things. So we're overly excited to be able to get them back right there courtside, get them right in the arena and be traveling with us. Like we, Always do. It's always great to hang out with them on the road, different things like that. Not only are they great at what they do, great at broadcasting, great at, uh, you know, doing uh, our basketball games and many other things that they do, but they're great friends as well. Just great people and fun to hang out with. And, uh, you know, when you see those two, you think of Billiken basketball. I know I do and, and what they mean to, to, to our program.
3: We can't wait to have those games on KMOX and it's going to be happening soon. Now you have some exhibition games coming up, don't you coach? And then uh, the season will be here before you know it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a coming. Uh, we can't slow it down at this point. Uh, <laughs> we always want more time to practice, uh, but uh, they're here. We, we have an exhibition game Tuesday night uh, coming up in just a couple of days uh, against Rockhurst, you know, Rockhurst, uh, is coached by a, a former player, uh, you know Drew Deaner, who is just a was a great player here and does a great job at Rockhurst. So we're excited to bring him back into into its Arena. He came a couple of years ago, brought his Rockhurst team, uh, extremely well coached team, shot almost twenty seven, twenty eight threes a game last year. Where half their shots come from the three point line in the past. Uh, you know, so we've got to be ready to play. And then we have another exhibition, I think October thirty first against Lindenwood. Uh, University, and then we'll throw it up for the first official game, uh, first regular season game on Tuesday, November the 9th uh, against Central Arkansas. So yes, it's here. Basketball season is uh, is definitely right around the corner.
3: Can't wait for that on that Tuesday. And all the love to your family and to the family of Ford Stewen. It was wonderful to see Baby Penn at the game and to know that that family is surrounded by love, Coach Ford.
1: Yeah, it was great to have Courtney and uh, Penn uh, at the uh, blue-white game at the open practice. Uh, it was Penn's, obviously, first time being in the arena. and We look forward to having them at uh, all the games. And uh, we're going to be, I'm sure, announcing something soon to, to honor Ford um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a special, uh, special day that day to, to have pian at practice and Courtney at practice.
3: We'll have that magic from them all season long. And thank you for joining us on KMOX. We appreciate it. We cannot wait for this season to start. I think it's going to be a good one. And we look forward to seeing your team on the floor.
1: No, thank you uh, Tom. Appreciate all you guys do for uh, Billiken Athletics. Appreciate all you do for St. Louis and all the uh, sporting teams uh around our community. Appreciate all that you do and this, appreciate
3: it. Absolutely. This is St. Louis's basketball team right here. This is St. Louis's Division 1 basketball team. St. Louis University, the Billikens. Slew getting it going on Tuesday, November 9th, against Central Arkansas with some exhibition games leading up to that at Chaffetz Arena. Coach Travis Ford with us on KMOX. Our producer is James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. We get into our NFL picks next, and then we take you to the Chiefs in Nashville playing the Titans. Chiefs need to... Get it going here, and they have a little momentum on their side. We'll see. Back after this.
5: All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
3: Well, here we are, week seven in the NFL, and joining us as always is Lauren Lovett for our picks of the week. Good morning, Lauren. We were close again last week, weren't we?
5: We were. Yes, we were. One game apart.
3: Yeah, we were one game apart. We both picked uh differently on the Ravens and the Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens got it done for me so I went Mm -hmm. uh, 10 and 2 you went 9 and 3 I mean respectable records no doubt about it are you ready to go for week seven
5: I am ready let's go
3: here we go Washington at Green Bay I'll pick first again and uh, I like the Packers at home here Washington football teams had a disappointing defensive year I would say I thought they'd be better Packers at home
5: Yeah, no, I agree. The Packers at home, they're coming off five consecutive wins. I think that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's offense is going to wreak havoc on Washington's seemingly defenseless defense. Um, At the beginning of the season, I thought that they were going to run the NFC East, and they're the worst. So I think this will be a blowout for the Packers today, taking Green Bay.
3: Kansas City at Tennessee. I feel like everyone's waiting for the Chiefs to have a big game, and uh, they've had some good games. I think this is it. I think the Chiefs wake up and win at Tennessee after the Titans had a huge win last week against Buffalo, a bit of a letdown. Chiefs on the road.
5: Yeah, I went back and forth here. I mean, the Titans are coming off that huge win last Monday night. I do think Derrick Henry is going to be a problem for Kansas City's defense. I mean, last week he had 143 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and that was against Buffalo, who has a superior defense to Kansas City. But Tennessee's defense is sketchy. But but so is the Chiefs, but I agree they looked better last week. I feel like something clicked last week. I think they need this game and want this game more than the Titans do. Um, I think they just have to control turnovers and they'll win it. I'm going to go with Kansas City at home today. This, I think, is going to be a huge game as far as points go. I know we bet – Straight up, but if you're betting, bet the over, I think on this one, I think it's going
3: to be a a high score game. Yeah, over, under is 57 and a half. If the Chiefs can just find a way to hold teams to 20 or 21 points, they're going to be okay. They can score. We know that. Atlanta at Miami. Boy, a couple of teams that have been disappointing. I guess I'll go with uh, the Dolphins at home here against the Falcons.
5: Uh, I'm going to take the yeah. I'm going to go with the Falcons. today. I think the Dolphins have been far worse than I thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. Um, they are definitely littered with injuries, but they don't have a good offense. They haven't really been a good defense. I think the Falcons are improving as the season goes on. They won two of their last three. Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage are coming back. Off, they're coming off a bye. I I think they have the advantage over Miami this week. I'm I'm going to take the Falcons.
3: Yeah, and Matt Ryan could have a big day passing against the Dolphins. You're right. We'll see. Uh, I think he will. I I'll, think he will. I'll go with the Dolphins at home just to be different. Jets at New England. Uh like your Patriots here, Lauren. Patriots get the win.
5: Yeah, absolutely. This will be a fun game for me. I'm sure this is what the, the game most people are least interested in. But um, I know the Patriots are probably still licking their wounds over their overtime loss to the Cowboys last week. Um, I know I am, even though I picked the Cowboys to win. They dominated the Jets in Week 2, winning twenty. 20- five to six, I think the Patriots have actually won 11 straight games versus the Jets. The last time they lost at home to the Jets was in 2010 divisional round. So new England's by far the better team. I got a lot more confidence in Mac Jones than I do. Zach Wilson, uh, the Patriots will come up with a victory today.
3: Carolina at the giants. I'm going to go with Carolina on the road on this one, Lauren. I just don't believe in the giants at all.
5: No, me neither. I mean, both these teams have been struggling the last few weeks. They have, the giants have a plethora of injuries. They don't have Thomas Galladay, uh, Saquon Barkley, I think even Evan Ingram went out with a calf injury late this week, so this should be a good opportunity for Sam Darnold to get back on track. I'm going to go with the Panthers today.
3: Cincinnati at Baltimore. I think the Bengals are the real deal, Lauren. However, I'm going with the Ravens at home in this one, but I think this will be a great football game.
5: Yeah, this is going to be an awesome game. I mean, I went against Lamar last week, and my first instinct was to take him, and I didn't. I'm not going to make that mistake again. The Ravens dominated last week. Uh, Joe Burrow is definitely a threat, and the Bengals' offense has been looking better and better. I think that their defense is even better than they're giving credit for. But if the Ravens can play like they did last week, um, they can definitely come out with a victory here. This will be a shootout. I think the Bengals will hang around until the end. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens today.
3: Philadelphia at Vegas. I'll tell you, the AFC West could end up with three playoff teams when it's all said and done. And I think Vegas could be one of them. It's early, but they're 4-2. and two. It's a good team. I think this will be a close game. but The Raiders get the win at home against the Eagles.
5: Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Raiders, today too. I think they're fine. I think they're more talented than they appear on paper. Um, I don't think Jalen Hurts is as good as everyone thinks. He's a great fantasy quarterback, but he doesn't win games. Uh, they also just traded away Zach Ertz. That's not going to help them. So I'm going to take the Raiders to win today.
3: I think we're looking at a couple of blowouts on these next two. Rams over Detroit, Lauren.
5: Uh, yeah, that's a blowout. I mean, Detroit is due for a win, I think, like I said last week. But I certainly can't pick the Lions to win on the road against the Rams. I think they'll play more competitive than they were last week um they played tough kind of fell apart last week but i do think they'll put up some points today but ultimately the rams will advance to six and
3: one today and unfortunately for the houston texans they have to play at arizona the arizona cardinals are on fire right now they're six and zero. Oh, they get another win lauren
5: yeah i mean on any given day it can be anybody's football game um and we've certainly seen that multiple times this season so far but i'm still a realist i'm going to go with arizona for the win today
3: Chicago at Tampa Bay, the Bears had to deal with Aaron Rodgers last week. Now they deal with the number one quarterback in passing yards in the NFL, Tom Brady. Unbelievable how he just keeps on going. I like the Bucks at home against the Bears. Who do you like?
5: Yeah, Tom Brady all the way. I don't think the Bears defense is going to be able to slow Brady down. He continues to put up historical numbers. Chicago has no passing offense, and I don't see them being able to put up a lot of points today. Taking the Bucks.
3: This one's interesting now. Colts at 49ers. I uh, yeah. am interested in this. The Colts, I think, are a little bit better than their 2-4 and four record. They've won the last four meetings with the 49ers, but mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back for the Niners, and I'm going to take San Francisco at home tonight.
5: Yeah, I mean, I went back and forth on this one, but I'm I'm taking the 49ers, too. They're at home today. Jimmy G is back to play, which is good for them. They don't have Kittle. That's a loss. But, I mean, like you said, the Colts have been playing well. They've won two out of their last three by double digits. But they're a little banged up. T.Y. Hilton is out. I'm going to take the 49ers at home today.
3: And who do you like? New Orleans at Seattle? This is an interesting one, too. It's Seattle, boy, that's one of the loudest places I've ever been. I'm going to say the Saints walk in there and get a road win. We'll see what you think about that.
5: Yeah, we got Jameis Winston versus Geno Smith. I just don't have a lot of faith in Geno Smith. The Seahawks are still dealing with running back injuries. I think this is an opportunity for the consistently inconsistent Winston to go there against a bad defense in secondary and put up some points. I'm going to take the Saints today.
3: It should be interesting. Those are our picks for Week 7. Do you have any fantasy tips for us, Lauren Lovett?
5: I I do. We're going to kind of go back to this Falcons-Dolphins matchup. I like Matt Ryan today. $7,300 It's a salary relief option against a terrible Miami Pats defense. I'd say stack him with Kyle Pitts, who seems to be emerging last week. He had nine catches on 10 targets for over 100 yards. He's at 6,100, so. For thirteen four in a DFS format, you have a lot of money left over to play with for what should be a solid start.
3: Wow, you read my mind. I mentioned Matt Ryan before, and I'm thank goodness because I'm playing him on one of my fantasy teams. So thank you for that. There
5: you go. That gives Absolutely. me a little yeah,
3: gives me a little confidence going into today. Lauren, <laughs> it's always great to hear you and to have your picks on KMOX's Sports on a Sunday morning. Have a great day.
5: Thanks, Tom. You
3: too. Enjoy week seven, folks, and enjoy the Chiefs and the Titans. They are coming up next on the home of the Kansas City Chiefs, KMOX.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.